Welcome to the Morning Glory Project, Stories of Determination. I'm your host, Betsy Graziani Fossbinder. Like in nature, we see determined flowers and vines clinging to life and seeking light. So are Morning Glory people. And in this podcast, I'll interview writers, activists, artists, entrepreneurs, survivors, and thrivers, and trailblazers of all kinds. These are folks that have been determined to get over, under, around, and through the obstacles that face them, or to seize the opportunities that come before them. I find these people inspiring and amazing. I know you will too. It's my honor today to welcome to the Morning Glory Project, Nina G. She was the only woman who stuttered in the stand-up comedy world when she began back in 2010. She co-produced the Comedians with Disabilities Act. It was a national touring company show featuring exclusively comedians with disabilities. And she now tours the country as a conference keynote speaker and did a TED Talk at San Jose State University. She's also a Huffington Post contributor. And throughout the COVID quarantine, she's charged on forth in comedy, hosting a weekly Zoom show where comedians show and tell their own video series, Comedy Time Capsule, where she collects and archives experiences of stand-up comedians, as well as headlining shows across the internet and beyond. Her memoir, Stutterer Interrupted, The Comedian Who Almost Didn't Happen, came out in August of 2019, and it's out there now. So Nina, G, I'm so glad to welcome you to the Morning Glory Project. Thanks for making this time today. Thank you. I, I look forward to our talk. Well, tell me what what prompted you to write this memoir. Tell me a bit about the story and, and how you got there. Let's see. I mean, there it, it was a long time coming. Um, I'd been wanting to write a book about my experiences having a learning disability disability and stuttering for a long time. And I, I kind of had this hodgepodge uh, of stories that I'd been writing for like six years. And then when Trump was elected, um, for approximately four years ago, um, I just saw that people weren't talking about very nuanced things and it's hard to have conversations online and it's hard to talk about really d difficult issues on Facebook or on Twitter because everything gets kind of boiled down. And I wanted to express my experience with a disability in more nuanced ways and really explain it out in my own voice and in my comedic voice. Mm. And when I came up with the titles uh, Stutter Interrupted, it all came to, to together. So the the nuanced conversation is about sharing your experience as a person, both with a stutter as, and with other learning disabilities. Can, can you tell me a bit about the, just kind of give me the nutshell of what the learning, those learning disabilities were and what was that, what was that like growing up as a kid who stuttered? Uh, so I think there's a lot around all of that. Uh, my, my learning disability is in language processing. So anything to do with language processing, I am there. It, it, whether it's reading, writing, learning another language, pronunciation, you may say it this way, I'm going to hear it this way. The best way that I have to explain the auditory processing d d 
disorder part is Charlie Brown's teacher. And younger people don't understand the reference, but in the Peanuts cartoons, when the teachers would talk or the adults would talk, it was wah, 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 wah. <laughs> I remember it well. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so for me, that is sometimes like early in the morning, if I get a phone call, all I hear is rah, 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 rah. and like I can maybe get the tone of it, but I don't necessarily get the words. And so as my brain wakes up, it gets a little bit better. But all of that all goes into a difficult a difficult time when I read, when I write, when I read, I read with a screen reader and like I can read, I am literate, but if I want accuracy, if I want enjoyment, because <laughs> reading should be about enjoyment, um, that I use a screen reader. So right now I'm reading the book Pandemics and Society, which is like, I don't know, like a 500 page book. Very cheerful reading. Yeah, no, <laughs> lots of fun. Go out in the sun, read that. And, and like, oh my, well, it's also nice because like, oh, we've already been here a gazillion times. People not wanting to wear masks. That happened a long time ago, too. So it helps me to center it. But um, I read that. And if I read if I read that book without the uh, accommodation of it being on my phone and I would read at 110 words a minute, but because it's being read out loud and it's not read out loud in the way that you get a David Sedaris book and there's lots of accents and there's lots of intonation. No, it is somebody who talks like this because it's just like computer voice. And I prefer that. And, and wait, so let, so let me understand. Mm -hmm. You You listen to it in that kind of recording because that's helpful to you yes. as opposed to say uh, an audio book uh, that's more dramatically delivered is that's not as easy um it's not that the audio book is it it is easier or 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 harder it's my preference because I want to get through the material fast and the way that you or the way that someone without di without dyslexia would read is similar to the way that I read with my phone. And so I read at 350 words a minute as opposed to 110 if I didn't have that. Wow. So I don't get bored. I don't f f fall asleep and it engages me more. So let me turn the clock backward then. Mm -hmm. You're a little kid in school and you have, you know, what I'm hearing to be what I'd call a, a mild to moderate stutter. And I never know the difference between stutter and stammer. Oh, you want to get into it? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't, we don't need to do a whole diagnostic here, but what's the basic difference between a stutter and a stammer? Um, so basically a stutter is, or stuttering is the word that people in the U.S. use and stammering is what people in Australia, India, and the U.K. use. Oh, so it's the same thing, just different vocabulary yes but like my whole life people are like oh yes they have a stammer like 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 it's a fancier term for stuttering <laughs> it's like no it's just a stutter laboratory right yes. it's the same damn thing it's a laboratory yes yes <laughs> okay well thank you for clearing that up for me i appreciate that so you're a little kid and you have a, a stutter and it's apparent but not 
horrifying. And yet you also had other learning challenges. So what was it like to be a kid with that? Yeah. And so the thing about stuttering is the part of it being a problem, it's like the horrifying part of it isn't necessarily in the speech, but it's how you understand it and what your own perception of it is and the perception of those around you. So people can be extremely mild or they may not stutter at all um, because they are covering that up. They are covert stutterers. And that can be more horrifying to them than someone who's just stuttering everywhere, every time, everything. Okay, now wait. So let, let me, you have to mm-hmm. slow this down for me now. Because you say a covert stutterer. Tell me what yes. you mean by that. Okay, so there is covert and there is overt. Overt is someone like me where I... It, I I don't have the vocabulary, especially having dyslexia, to come up with five words to f- five words to substitute for the word that I'm going to s- stutter on. And so I always know that I stutter on the word d- d- disability almost Which every time. Especially cruel. <laughs> yeah, no, it is like you know, it's fine because it lives. Li- legitimizes me when I say it. So (laughs) it's all good. Um, but then when, but I, I can't come up with all these other words for that word, especially because I like that word too. And, and we can always talk about that. So so let me, let me see if I'm getting this. Mm -hmm. If I'm an overt stutterer, I'm going to stutter on the word disability. Yes. And I'm going to use, I'm going to nonetheless use that word. Mm Mm-hmm. But if I'm a covert stutterer, I may come up with, oh, a challenge or I may come up with a different synonym of sorts that I wouldn't be as likely to trip on. Yes. And me and you were talking a little bit about Joe Biden earlier. Uh And and not that we all of this is very spontaneous and organic. People should know that. But we mentioned that er earlier. And what we're seeing with Joe Biden a lot is that he is a covert stutterer. Um, he has a story kind of like this hero's journey. This It's this political speech of overcoming stuttering, but... Maybe not all the way <laughs> because he like when when he talks about Obama, he often says his 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 boss. Um, and so you hear those things. And so a lot of times people think that he's having a difficult time coming up with the word because he is senile and demented, and all of these things or he's not smart. And you want to piss me off. You want to have that conversation with me? Um. <laughs> well, so, so let's go there for a second, because that's some of what prompted you to write this book is that because you had a learning challenge and because you had this conspicuous evidence of of it, or, or people, I'm guessing, assume that because you're stuttering, that you're not so smart. Mm-hmm. And then on top of it, if you have a learning challenge, people often think that people with a learning challenge are not mm-hmm. so smart, whether or not their IQ reflects that at all. Yeah. And so you had the double dumb thing pushed at you, I'm guessing, quite a lot. Yeah. Well, I think it is, it's, 
it's something that, I mean, I also went to Catholic school, which, you know, didn't help these matters in the 1980s. Cause I always tell people that you shouldn't pity me for stuttering or having learning to, to, disabilities, but you can't pity me for going to Catholic school in the 1980s. (laughs) (sighs) Because the, the philosophy was what? The philosophy was if you don't fit in, you don't belong here. And that was Mm. basically told to me every single year for the seven and a half years I was in Catholic school. And luckily I didn't get into the Catholic high school and I went to public school where I was part of the special ed program there. I was part of, of the resource room and I had an amazing teacher, Miss Bramlett, who had high expectations for us and taught us how to advocate. My parents were kind of like, you know, even though we've been so screaming at, at your teachers for all these years, you're, it's your turn now. And that prepared me for college and for life and probably for the stage because I think one thing is is sometimes you have to prove yourself as a person with a d- d- disability no matter what it is. And I think it's important to kind of come at it. Like, like when I first meet somebody or if I'm in a meeting that isn't comedy, but just like um, when people are going around introducing the themselves, what I'll say is, hello, everyone. My name's N- Nina and I s- s- stutter. So you're just going to have to wait for all the brilliant things that I have to say. <laughs> well, so, so what you're saying there too is it's almost as if, it's incumbent upon you to put people at ease. Yes. About this. And and I I understand that you know people don't want to How do I say? You don't want people feeling uncomfortable or or thinking there's something emergent that's wrong. You're having a stroke or whatever. And whatever people have thought that. that. <laughs> have they? I, yes. I was only guessing that, but I imagine <laughs> But so you put people at ease and then on top of it, you have a bit of, you know, you're a comedian, so you use humor as a way to deal with things. You, as I read and as we talked earlier, you talked about as a kid, how you adapted before you got the teacher that understood you, how you sort of adapted by having what you called a weirdo personality. Yeah. Can you tell me about that? How, so uh, what kids do to get through their lives, whatever their circumstances, whatever, whatever peculiarity they might have always fascinates me what, how they adapt around it. So tell me about the weirdo persona. So when I was about seventh or eighth grade, I realized that if I acted weird, I would stutter less. And tell, tell me what you mean by acting weird. Uh, there's any number of things like just acting really obnoxious or sometimes um, I would take on the voices of comedians like 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 emo f- 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 Phillips or Bobcat Goldsweight um, and emo kind of talked like this and I could talk like this for a long time but like I didn't necessarily do those as like in my like people knew I was putting on a voice right and and if 
there is this thing. So stuttering is not caused by, by anxiety or anything like that. It's caused by a difference in the brain in the left side of the, uh, uh, of the brain. So in the left lobe and it's in an area right next to Broca's area and Broca's area is the expressive part of the brain. Hmm. And because that's all on the left side, when we use the right side of our brain, like we do when we sing, this is why people like Mel Tillis and Bill Withers would stutter when they talk, but not when they sing different part of the brain. Hmm. And my favorite example for this is uh, Marilyn Monroe, who had stuttered. I'm guessing she didn't stutter on M's or she would have had a different name. Um, It must have been C's or something. But that's why she talked like this, because when you talk like this, you can trick your brain into talking from the right side. Because it's almost like singing? Yes. It, it, it is intonation. It is using a wacky voice. And so I could prank phone call my friends in the 1980s. This was before there was this time before caller ID. <laughs> yep. Back when we used to call and say, is your refrigerator running? All yes. of those kind of silly things. I could be on the phone with my friends for the longest time that if I talked like this, they wouldn't know it was me. So you had to become somebody different. Well, it was part of me. It just wasn't the whole me. And, you know, because I've loved comedy all of my life and I'm a little bit obnoxious, but I wasn't that obnoxious. And I think, you know, it kind of scared people away from, you know, like in junior year, I had a crush on this guy and his best friend told my best friend, oh, Brian would ask Nina to the prom if she wasn't so weird. So right there, it kind of gives you an idea. So do you think that 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 was weird? The the comment there was about this weird persona that you put on or was that about he thought that the stuttering itself was weird no it was about the persona and it was because i didn't have role role models in the late 80s to see like oh there's someone who stutters openly and this is how you work that out and if you come at it and you lead with the stutter and you educate people then if they're, I, I don't know if I can swear on here, but, I, but I'll say jerks. I'll, I'll, I'll be good and I'll say jerks. If they're jerks about it, then that is on them once they know that you stutter. Um, and for me, I would rather hide that or attempt to hide it the best I could. So tell me about the hard part of this, because it clearly... Nina, by turning this, you're clearly an effervescent kind of a person. And so, and you have humor and you've turned this into a, a career in a way. But I'm wondering when you were a kid, what what was the hard part of being, of having both learning disabilities and a stutter that was conspicuous to others? Um, I think it was... The it's all of the crap that you internalize from the world. 
And for me, a lot of that, you know, like kids tease you and that's fine. Like I, for me, some of the things around bullying kind of get on my nerves because we're like, oh, you shouldn't bully, you shouldn't bully. Um, but for me, the bullies were not the problem that were kids. The bullies that were the problem were the t teachers who denied me uh, uh, accommodations, who told my parents that I didn't belong in the school, that I wasn't s smart enough. And this is all pre-ADA. This is pre the Americans with D Disabilities Act. And um, what the Catholic Church has now learned when a lot of kids left Catholic school is that the checks of kids with di disabilities cash the same as everybody else's <laughs> checks. And suddenly they're a lot more accessible now. Um, and, and, and I think that is a good thing that I think people need to know that we are an economic base and you don't treat us right. We're not going to spend money at the place that you want us to. So the bullying at the hands of the teachers and, and, and let it be said that I'm sure that some of them were well-intended or they, or ignorant yeah, or whatever. And some of them were not. <laughs> yeah. No, Wait, so you're, some of them were not, you're mm -hmm. saying? Um, they, they did. It, it felt like they resented me for being in the classroom because mm. I required extra time because I required a few extra things. Like one of the things that I, had when I was in the eighth grade was my parents advocated for me to, instead of doing 30 problems of math, I would do 15, some of the easy ones, some of the mi middle ones, some of the hard ones. And I would do that for diagramming sentences. Thank God they don't teach that anymore. But that was, oh my God, that was dyslexic hell. And so I would do half the work because it would take me triple the time to do the work compared to everybody else. And so I was putting in the exact same amount of time and even more effort. And so as the school year started to go and I was like handing in all this work, felt really good about it. I asked my teacher what my grade was. And she said, well, you've been doing half the work. So you're getting an F. And I was like, wait, if I got every single one of those problems that I did right, you're saying the most I could get is 50%. Why would I do anything then? And it, like, I was very logical as an eight year old, uh, uh, as an eighth grader. And she's like, yep, yeah, you're right. And so that was, it felt like the uh, accommodation. It's not, exa it's not exactly compassionate. No. You know, it's, it's hard to remember, you know, in these days with so much bad behavior being exposed in our world, uh, I've been thinking a lot about the bell-shaped curve. Yes. You know, that, that in every profession, there are 20% of people that are just amazingly gifted and genius at it, and 20% that are absolute crap at it, and that there's 60% in the middle, some degree between miraculous and crap. <laughs> and that's true of teachers and cops and I suppose brain surgeons and uh, whatever. So it sounds like some of those early teachers that you had fell in, fell onto the lower half of the bell-shaped curve there. Yes. Well, and I also think systemically the school didn't did not say that disabled kids 
were an important part. And I remember there was this kid who lived next door to my grandma, Teddy, who, what I heard, I don't know if this is all true, but what I heard was that he tried to get into the school that I was in. And, and he had a very slight, he, it's his, one of his hands didn't develop all the way. So otherwise he was good, smart kid, um, involved family. And when I heard that he didn't get into my school because of that, I went up to the principal as like a seventh grader. And I was like, how come you don't allow the, 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 disabled kids in the school and it was like the first time that I really advocated and yeah. and she got super defended it was you know on the playground at 10 30. <laughs> so. Where did you as a seventh grade kid find that? My parents. So tell so your parents it sounds like they were supportive they, and they advocated for you? Yes. Is that Oh, yes. They would advocate every single year. And that advocacy wasn't only with the school, because sometimes the school didn't listen. But what was great was that I knew that they had my back. I knew that they believed in me. And um, and I think part of that experience is is that my dad is hard of hearing. His dad was hard of hearing. My grandfather's mom was hard, hard of hearing. So I, as long as we have been in the U.S. from Italy, we have been to disabled in America. So I am fourth mm. generation disabled American on my dad's side. My mom's side, my mom's mom had polio. So when the disability came up in the family, they were like, yeah, yeah normal. You just handle it. You just work with it and normalizing it. Helps. I'm, I'm just thinking about how important it is to have someone that you know has your back. Mm-hmm. How that changes everything, doesn't it? It changes everything. And that is when I went to high school and Miss Bramlett had my back and my parents knew that she had my back and that they're like, just let us know if, if, you know, anything really goes down. And I was able to develop that voice because um, I saw them do it. I saw her do it, but also it wasn't always, um, it, it wasn't always smooth because now what they do is they, there are groups like the youth uh, leadership forums that are in multiple states. And I've talked to the ones in Montana and California in Wyoming. So shout outs to all of them where they specifically train youth to be advocates, both for themselves, but also in their communities. So like, Mm -hmm. I just kind of had to figure it out, but now there are organizations that are being a lot more intentional about that. Mm -hmm. I want to switch just as we're coming to a close here and ask you, because I, I know having read some some of your material, that there are some strange, and I'll say well-intended, because I think that for the most part they are, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but well-intended things that people do with stutterers that just drive you bonkers. I mean, one of them, for example, is one I've been resisting doing, and that is when you're struggling with a word the urge to step in and complete the word for you or complete the sentence for you. And I'm wondering, in addition to not doing that, what other kinds of things can, can those of us 
who don't have stutters or stammers do that wouldn't be so wouldn't be such a big a pain in the ass. Let's say it that way. Okay. <laughs> that wouldn't be so annoying. Yeah, I think one of the big things, and in my book, uh, I call it stutter splaining. So it's like man's splaining when when a man explains what it's like to be a woman to a woman, <laughs> and and it's like uh, you don't have to do that. I know what that is, but I I am so stutter splained a lot, and I've had people come up to me and tell me like, oh, if you just sing everything, then that will be fine. Or why don't you just slow down and think about what you're going to say? I was like, uh, you know, I've been. Yeah, I've never thought of that. Yeah, I've never thought of that (laughs) in all the years. And then I have like the really strange ones, I think, because I'm a comic. People feel they can say anything. And I've had people tell me at the end of shows that I stutter because I am having the wrong kinds of orgasms and this was from a man of course as, as if there's a right kind <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> no okay. he he told me um what kind and i was like i don't think you stutter through that area so and i'll leave it at that <laughs> oh brother <laughs> that's too too ridiculous <laughs> you know it, i i think that that as in a as a general rule if someone says why don't you just, you can pretty much ignore everything after that phrase. Right. And, and also, and that is a good policy that if you hear yourself doing, you should just, just stop right there. Like that's it. Don't go anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Nina G, you are a delight. And I'm so glad that we've gotten to talk to Gay. How would folks find you for your COVID era comedy shows that are socially distanced and safe and wonderful how would they find you well they can go to nina g comedian.com and so that's nina n-i-n-a-g just the letter g nina g comedian.com yes but um i haven't been posting as many shows there because um since everything's online it's easier to kind of link things on facebook so my facebook has the most information and that is facebook.com slash Nina G comedian. And I post everything that I do there. Um, I'm also on Twitter and you can find out all that stuff at my website. And also if people want to, they can check out my new videos series, which is the comedy or sorry, comedy time capsule.com. Wonderful. Well, if if we've learned nothing else today, we've learned that certain orgasms do not change stuttering. Gee, we can all file that into our, <laughs> into our repertoire. We're all good now. <laughs> I hope to educate the world about that. <laughs> Nina, thank you so much for being with me on the Morning Glory Project today. I wish you every kind of joy. Thank you so much. I've been reflecting on my conversation with Nina G today. And she's a delight, and I'm so looking forward to watching and listening to some of her podcasts with and about comedians and comedy, because really, frankly, people, I could use it about now, and I'm sure you can too. Something to laugh at, something to just raise our spirits a bit. It's just a survival mechanism that I'm needing a lot right now. But in my reflection about my conversation with Nina, I want to go below the comedy and into the fact of her survivorship. 
that as a kid with learning disabilities and with a visible challenge of a speech challenge with stuttering that she has, that assumptions got made about her, that teachers, adults, students, potential dates (laughs) had assumptions about her. And not only just assumptions about her because of her stuttering, but because of the adaptations that she had donned to counteract that stuttering. So to counteract the stuttering, she sort of put on funny voices and acted like she called, she called it her weirdo persona, that then we have assumptions about that. And I'm thinking about how many of us have done something adaptive to cover for an emotional challenge, a physical one, a mood, and how we might be judged for that. And I'm thinking about how past guests on the Morning Glory Project feed into this too. We had Francine Falk Allen, who with polio was left with physical challenges and disabilities that she chooses to call handicaps, and how people make assumptions about her looking at her, thinking she doesn't exercise much. Well, Francine exercises daily. It's a huge part of her daily health regime, not only for her general health, but but to counteract the disability issues that remain for her. And I'm thinking about Jen Pasteloff, who has had a long-term hearing impairment that's grown worse over time, and she's virtually deaf without hearing aids and has limited hearing even with them and re- needs to read lips. So she talks about how she misses things and how people assume that because she missed something, she wasn't paying attention or she was lazy or she doesn't isn't empath- empathetic to their concerns. So I've been thinking a lot about this assumption that we make on the basis of how people present. We talked about assumptions made about Vice President Joe Biden and his campaign for election. How, because he's older, because he stammers a bit, that people make assumptions that there's dementia or that there's a decline in his cognitive abilities going on. As for me, my extra bloom in all of that is about approaching things with curiosity before judgment. Long term, we have to make judgments. We have to assess how people are, who they, particularly if we're going to elect them or marry them or have them in our close proximity. So we do have to make judgments. And I say with a a lowercase j, we have to use discernment about who people are and what they are. But I want to relax that instantaneous judgment, that knee-jerk reaction to somebody's instant behavior. I want to step back and ask myself what else might be going on besides the jump to conclusion that I might make when I first look at somebody, particularly with a physical challenge or a learning challenge. So that's my extra bloom for today. I want to relax judgment and encourage curiosity, approach everything with curiosity and openness. Make my judgments as they're needed, but don't start there. Thanks so much for listening to the Morning Glory Project. I'm so pleased to have you with us today. A little favor, if you've enjoyed this episode or others, we're really working at trying to make this a sustainable project. And that means getting sponsorship. And in order to get sponsorship, you have to get listenership. So if you would give us positive ratings, share us out to those that you care about, people that you think might benefit from the inspirations and ideas that get presented here, I'd certainly appreciate it. And you can always find information about us at themorninggloryproject.com and you can subscribe for free 
everywhere that you find podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. And I hope that you enjoy some splendor today and find a way to bloom. <laughs>